0: Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning, uh, evening, uh, the privilege to come together again. Uh, this, have us for location for the to share your word, to fellowship. Thank you for an awesome time as we worship uh, tonight. Thank you, Lord, for accepting our worship tonight in Jesus' name. Uh, we thank you for this time as we go into your word. Uh, you will speak to us uh, clearly in the name of Jesus. Lord, you, you've called us to raise a new generation of champions, and we thank you that that is happening in this place, and we thank you for this word that we will receive, that you will bring out the greatness that you have put in us, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, my God, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So you're welcome home. Um, so we started this champion series... Uh, uh, talking about uh, what is in your hand or what do you have in your house, and then we said you start from where you are. And today we're going to go further by looking at uh, millionaires in the cave. Uh, God said to us, He said, "We are a church. Uh, we are raising millionaires." So part of the things is that we believe in entrepreneurship. We believe in people having their own, pony their own businesses, uh, multi-million and billion-dollar businesses as it grows. Uh, So we believe God for that. And you will begin to see uh, some of the things that God has put in place to bring that uh, to fruition. So we are believing God for that. Uh, The Joseph Business School is one of those that has been, uh, that is in the working. We're just waiting to have a location. Once we have a location now, all that can be set up. Uh, So all these things will happen. Hallelujah. So today we're looking at part three of the Champions uh, Series. We're looking at millionaires in the cave. And if you want to put it a subtitle, you might might want to call it training in an unusual place. Training in an unusual place. Everyone that you see today who has become a champion, uh, in one field or the other, they were trained. And when you look at, even some of them, when you talk to them, uh, you see that they were trained in unusual places. For example, Oprah Winfrey, Uh, she was trained uh, in a media house where she didn't even last. A long time, she was fired. Uh, so it was out of not looking at things and like, well, I don't fit in here, or you know, I can do something by my own. Eventually, that she was able to. So it's not every time you're fired that is a good, a bad thing. There are times that you're fired and it's for good, because some of us, if we are not fired, we won't actually discover the reason or what we could do. Uh, some of us will not pause to think and, and look at it. Like, wait, a, wait a minute here. There is something inside me that is bigger. Than this place that I am, you know, someone said when you find yourself in a place where people reject you it's because you've outgrown that place. Uh, so here we have like we're going to read first Samuel chapter 22. We're going to read the story of a bunch of guys uh, who left where they were and they followed, Uh, they went to meet David. It wasn't like David called them to come, they went and met with David and they began to hang. I mean, I, I don't know. Have you ever seen anyone who decide, I want to hang out, and the best place to hang out is in the cave? Mm. But that was exactly what this guy did. They went into the cave, and that was where the greatness in them was birthed. Uh, so we're going to look at that this evening. Hallelujah. for Samuel 22, and I'll read verse 1 and 2, and then I'll go quickly into the message, uh, so since we don't have much time. This is worship in 60 minutes. My name is David Alabode and I approve this message. time Samuel 22. <laughs> Even before I preach it, I approve it. He <laughs> said, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his fathers heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. So if you have been following this series, you see that a few chapters after this, these men became great. They were now referred to, uh, the Bible said there were about 400 men. So if you ref, uh, they were about 400 men at the end there. Uh, these guys became David's mighty men. You know, you heard about David's mighty men in the Bible. Two of them went, and when David said he wanted water from the well of Bethlehem, they fought through the garrison of philistines and he went got water from the well brought it back the guy looked at him and say huh? i'm not going to drink this water <laughs> this is blood so he poured it out because they could have been killed you know so they became david mighty men all right so here introduction everything you have gone through going through and we ever go through is for your training everything you have gone through Everything that you are going through and everything that you ever go through is for your training. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 8, it says, And we know that all things work together for our good, for the good of those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. So I want us to also read Psalm 66. Uh, I want to show us something. Why it is for our own good? All the things we are going through now is a training because God is taking us somewhere that is bigger than where we are right now. If only we can take our eyes off what we are going to right now and focus on the promise. Uh, Psalm twenty uh, sixty six, I'll read verse ten to twelve here. He said, For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net and you laid affliction on our backs. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out into rich fulfillment. Maybe your version said into a wealthy place. Maybe your version said into an enlarged place. The place, of the place of abundance. Thank you. See, God, He said, "You tested us. You took us through the fire. You took us through the water." I mean, there is nothing worse than that. We, all, we didn't drown. Alright, and if you go to Isaiah 43, let's go to Isaiah chapter, uh, chapter 43. Millionaires in the cave. Alright, let's go uh, from verse 1 here and see what the Bible says. Isaiah 43 from verse 1 here. Amen. Let's read that quickly. He said, But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and you who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, is it fire again? You shall not be burned, nor shall the flame. Scotch you. God is saying here, you pass through fire, you're not even going to smell smoke. You're not going to smell like smoke. You're not going to f- smell like you've gone through fire. You go through the water, I will be with you, so you're not going to drown. Amen? I will be with you. So I want us to know that you know God loves us so much uh, that He wants the best for our lives. So you must never be limited by the division of where you are at this present time. No. Don't look at where you are right now. If those guys had looked at the fact that they were in the cave, they would never have become mighty men. They would have died there because in the cave there is no supply. Hallelujah! The cave is dark. We're going to see uh, some of the things that is associated with caves, and you will know that it wasn't a place of fruitfulness, really. But so where you are right now does not matter. It is where God is taking you that matters, and that's why you need to have a picture of where. God is taking you. Jeremiah 29, 11 said, Thus says the Lord, I know the plan that I have for you. God has a plan. It's not your plan. It's good to have a plan by yourself, but your plan must be drawn out of God's plan. Because it is when you surrender your own plan and embrace God's plan, that is where God said, I will bring you to an expected end. Your own plan cannot bring you to an expected end. Only the plan of God. My plan cannot bring me to an expected end. Only the plan of God. Because, you know, sometimes we think we have a, a great plan. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do this and do that, do that, do that. But then at the end of the day, you see that your own plan, it get frustrated. Your own plan doesn't fly. But when you surrender, because, you see, what's the problem? Why do I have to worry myself about my own plan and struggle to make it happen when I can, only, I can easily embrace God's plan? And God has already worked the details out. So every step, he says, take a step, you take a step. Stop. You stop. Run. You run. Slow down. You slow down. Sit down. You sit down. You just follow the plan. Amen? 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18. He said the things that we can see, they are temporary. They are subject to change. But the things we cannot see, they are eternal. The things we can see, they are temporary. But the things that we cannot see, they are eternal means they outlive us they are beyond us no matter the plan you have most of the time is so short it's so small compared to what god has on his mind hallelujah so i wrote here god trains his greatest soldiers in unusual places the champion god trains them in unusual places for example david was trained in the field alone david was training at the you know in the he was in the field all by himself alone the day they were to ordain him they had to go send for him he was in the field but, but you see when he came to face goliath in first Samuel chapter 17 uh if you, especially if you read from verse 37 uh downward you find out that all the testimony that david used against goliath were experiences he had when there was nobody with him what is your experience right now because when you are going through stuff, god is teaching you something are you with me this morning uh, this evening god is teaching you something everything there is no I, I always says this i say there is no education whether formal or informal that is a wasted time there is something god want to learn that you might think you don't need right now but guess what six years from now five years from now two years down the lane then you see there will be a situation that you will use that and because you've gone through the training and passed the training because there's a difference between going through the training and passing the training, you pass the training by staying in where God has placed you at that time and being faithful, and following through, then you see that God will bring you out. And then you can apply those things that you have learned to move your life forward. Are you with me this evening? It's important. Moses was staying at the back of the desert. If you go to Exodus chapter 3, when he had an encounter with God, the burning bush experience, he was at the back of the desert. He has settled down to life of average and misery. He settled down to a life of, well, I would die a shepherd, I will just keep taking care of sheep. Meanwhile, he was supposed to lead 3 million people into the promised land. But it was that place God had to teach him for 40 years. What would be your attitude if you knew from the beginning that you were supposed to be a deliverer? And then all of a sudden, because you went out too early, you made a mistake. And this is one thing, again, I want to say tonight. You make mis- we all, we're going to make mistakes, even when you know what God has called you to do, you're still going to make mistakes. But you cannot dwell on those mistakes because, God, you know what? If you dwell on it, you will not be able to see where God is taking you. But Moses dwelled on that. 40 years he was at the back of the desert until, thank God for a burning bush experience. Thank God for the message of God. And God had to tell him, the same place you ran away from, go back there. The same place. God is not going to speak to you. Ex- anytime if God has you to do something you don't do it, God is not going to tell you anything new he's going to tell you, every time God speaks he will tell you what he told you before <laughs> I think Moses was probably looking for something different I will just relax now, I have my retirement home all built I have 1 million dollars in my account I just enjoy my children and grandchildren and when the time comes to die, we'll die God said no, you are not done yet Mr. 80 year old <laughs> There's still more for you to do. The rest of the 40 years of your life will be the best of the 80 years that you have lived before. And God did what only God could do. Amen. Amen. Daniel was trained in Babylon. Daniel was an immig- immigrant. They were taken as slaves to Babylon. He was trained there. You read Daniel chapter six, for example. The Bible says it, 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 you know it was six, I mean 10 times better. From Daniel chapter 1, if you read the story of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, you will see that from the beginning. The guy said, mm-hmm, we're not going to eat the king's food. He said, we're going to fast. We're going to eat on this, live on this, live on that. And that's how exactly it is going to be. So God trained him in, in Babylon. And even Jesus was trained in the desert before he started his pub- public ministry. If you read Matthew chapter 4, because of our time, we're not going to be able to read that. Matthew chapter 4, 1 Samuel 16. Daniel chapter 1 verse 1 to 8. And Exodus chapter 3. Uh, Those are the reference uh, scriptures. Alright, so what you see is what you will get. What you see is what you will get. Your situation will turn around the day you see everything you are going through as part of the process. As part of the process to get to the promise. That is the day everything changes. Because what happened? Um, your focus. I was telling somebody this afternoon, I said, no distractions allowed. I think I'm going to preach a message like that. We allow some things to distract us. And I want to say to you, I often say this to people, I say, enjoy the, the process, enjoy the moment, enjoy the season. The season you might be in might be a season that looks like everything's stagnated. Enjoy it. It's not going to be like that forever. Just stay faithful in that season. Amen. Just stay faithful in that season and stay focused. God's promises must be processed. We read in that, in that uh, Psalm sixty six. He said, "You." He said, "Like a silver is refined." God's promises has to be processed. Have you ever seen a farmer that planted a seed today and the same day begin to harvest? Plant the seed. You water the seed, and you know probably fertilize it and keep getting the rid of the weed and, and and wait and then the harvest comes. That's in the natural. But what we're saying here is that you know you, you have to wait let's go to 2 Corinthians four seventeen, Second uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17. 2 Corinthians 4.17 here. Are, are we there? It said for our light affliction which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You want that glory? Hmm. You want the glory? Yes. The affliction is temporary. The affliction is but for a moment. The glory that is beyond that, that's what we should go for. There are so many spiritual impostors. That God is refining you so that all the dross can fall off of you. Because God doesn't want you to become an imposter. God is making a champion out of you. So all the things that can, when you get to that level of glory that God can show for His glory on you, God wants to get rid of all those things. You know, the, the little anger, the, only, the little burst of anger, the, uh, you know, uh, the non-commitment, no, the uh, the unfaithfulness. God just taking care, you know, like a woodcutter is carving a wood, and he just taking out the part he doesn't want, uh, that doesn't want want to be part of the carving. He just taking. God is carving us out. He's taking out the things that he knows he's not gonna bless us. Now next level. It's not everything you need for your next level. Amen. You know, we were having a discussion with, with a couple yesterday, and they were asking us, Oh, Pastor, you're so quiet. And, and I said, Yeah. Uh, that people tend to get um, kind of like, maybe, let, let me not say uh, take advantage of me, but people tend to look at me like I'm weak because of my nature and all that. Uh, and I said, hey, You don't understand. There's a, is a training. God cannot trust with some things except you become meek. And when God is breaking you, sometimes doesn't, God doesn't come with a big sledgehammer. And say, give me your head. Boom. No, it breaks you by some things, by some uh, how you respond to some things. Uh, are you able to handle people? God had to go teach Moses how to take care of sheep, and you know, sheep are yeah, they just mm-hmm. so God had to use the sheep to train him before he could trust him with men. So sometimes God will, you know, train you with some tough things just to, because He's preparing you for something bigger but you can't die there so you, you, if you don't learn those things we want you to learn you will learn it somewhere else so you learn because you have to re- repeat the class if you don't, if you don't pass so, Zechariah 13 verse 9 you know me I like scripture so go we'll read it Zechariah 13 verse 9 <laughs> Zechariah 13 verse 9 if you cannot open it just listen mm. you know where Zechariah is way way to the back uh, 13 9. let's see what the Lord says here so God doesn't want us to be spiritual impostors. Uh, so he takes us to all this. He says Yeah, I will bring the one thought through the fire. <laughs> you see that? We refine them as silver is refined. And test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God. You see, God said I will test them first before, they, before I can call them my people. <laughs> he loved them, but he said, I will... <laughs> then I will, I will test you. We will take you to the fire. And there. Let's look at First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Are we getting something out of this? Yeah. Even me, I'm enjoying it. Hmm. It's a well-cooked meal. 1 <laughs> Peter 1, uh, verse 6 and 7. Hallelujah. And you should be exceedingly glad on this account. Mm. Don't know for a little while. You may be distressed by trials and suffer temptations. 1 Peter 1, verse 6. Yeah. chapter 1, verse 67. Yeah. Okay, yeah, go, go on, please. So that the genuineness of your faith may be tested. Mm-hmm. You see? Your faith, which is infinitely more precious than the perishable gold, which is tested and purified uh-huh. by fire. This proving of your faith is intended to redound to your praise. And glory and honor When Jesus Christ the Messiah The anointed one is you. Hallelujah You see what he said there He said you're going through all this thing Because of what is in you So that I can come out That God can be glorified That's the summary of everything All these long uh, English uh, you know, Scriptures and that's, that's just summary of Alright And then here You can either learn like Mary Or learn like Jonah The choice is yours Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus was teaching her Jonah how to learn in the belly of the whale. So you can decide how you want to do your own training. Whether you want to learn at the feet of the master, genuinely warm, or you want to go into the cave. Or in the belly of the whale. I might mean, not literally mean the belly of a whale, like a whale swallows you and then you stay there. But it could be that you go through something that even represents worse than the belly of the whale. But I would rather learn at the feet of Jesus. And that's the whole thing tonight. Right now at the feet of Jesus, everything God wants to put in us, there yeah, he can do it. Every work he wants to do in us, do it. The pride can be taken out. The arrogance can be taken out. Uh, you know, the, the unfaithfulness can be... Whatever that God knows that for the next level can disqualify us, he will take it out and he will teach us how to be live our lives. Hallelujah. So what does the cave represent? Very quickly, the cave is a lonely place. Psalm 25 verse 16. The cave is a lonely place. Psalm 25 verse 16 is a lonely place. When you get to the cave, it's very, very lonely. It's very lonely and it's very cold. Psalm 25 verse 16. Can we read that quickly, please? And uh, some of the scriptures, I'll just mention them and then, so that we can finish this up because I'm tying it up now. Uh, Twenty-five, sixteen. 16, <clears throat> says, Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. I am lonely and afflicted. It's a lonely place. It's a lonely place. Number two, it's a place of solitude. It's a place where you are dead by yourself. A quiet place. It's not a place that is, hey boys, let's go. It's happening downtown tonight. No, no, it's not that kind of a place. (laughs) It's a place of solitude. (laughs) So when you're going in, when you... You you know, and I'm saying this tonight. It's it's not necessarily like you are in a cave, a literal, a physical cave. It could be that situation you're in right now look like a cave. Maybe God just wants you to step aside and learn of Him. You know. Maybe you've been... You know, on the go, 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 go. Ah, 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 at the rate you are going, ah, you are gonna miss the mark. Come on, slow down. And you know, do you know that Psalm one forty two was written by David in the cave? Psalm one forty two. Every time you read Psalm one forty two, remember, Psalm one forty two was written in the cave. David wrote it when he was in the cave. I don't know which of the cave, but he was in the cave when he wrote Psalm one forty two. And if you look at the wordings, you will know that, yes, it was in solitude. It was in solitude when he wrote uh, Psalm 142. So the cave also represents a place for character building and personal development. If you can survive in the cave, you can survive anywhere else. Because there you are faced, you, are, you, are face, you, f- you look at the mirror, and the only person you see is yourself. In the cave, you cannot blame anybody for your shortcomings in life. You cannot blame anybody for not making... If you, if you blame anybody in, at that point in your life, I'm sorry, it, it won't fly. Because at that point, you need to... You hone your own... You hone your life at that point. Like, okay, I am where I am now because of the choices I've made, because of the decision i make. Now, how do I move forward? Lord, I'm looking up to you now to move me forward from here. And sometimes until we come to the end of ourselves like that, we don't actually make progress in life. So it's a place like that. It's a place of insignificance. You don't reckon with people who, live in the, in the, who, who are in the cave. People don't reckon with them. Look at the caliber of people who went to David in the cave that became a captain over them. Those who were distressed, those who were in debt, those who were depressed, those who were suicidal, those who had given up on life, no us. Those are the people who went to him. So you know, if anybody wants to refer to those who are in the cave of Hadulam, they will look at it and say, those are insignificant people. But God had a plan. Psalm 119, verse 105. <coughs> Hallelujah. We're not going to read that. Let's go quickly to uh, First Kings, chapter 18, verse 4. The cave is also a hiding place. It's a place of hiding. First Kings eighteen verse four. First Kings eighteen verse four. I have four more minutes. I have to rush quickly. To finish this. Hmm. Thank you. You see, you say, and he said, and here said to Obadiah, "Go into the land to all the springs uh, of, oh no, four, for, for this, for so it was why Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord. That Obadiah had taken one hundred prophets and hidden them, fifty—that's one hundred and fifty—he hid them in a cave. So it's a hiding place. Obadiah hid the prophets, one fifty of them in the cave, it's a hiding place, and also it is a place of preservation." Why did he hide them? So that they won't kill them. So that Jezebel won't kill them. <laughs> and also, it's a burial place. Uh, you know, the Bible says, if you read the story in Genesis, the story of Abraham, uh, he was actually buried. Uh, they bought land and the caves was part of it. They used to bury people in the cave in those days. Hallelujah. All right, quickly, let's go. Why we God use those, I mean, why we God use those who are in the cave? Why we God use those who are in the cave? Number one, they have been stripped of every glory and pride. When you're in the cave, you've been stripped. Those guys, they had nothing to their names. If you tell those when you want to kill them, they say, yeah, now you want to kill me, okay, let's go. <laughs> Bring out your machete or whatever you want to use. It's, it's over. So I've given up on myself anyway. So if you kill me, mm-hmm. what's the point? The only thing is I won't kill myself. So kill me, kill me. If God allow you to kill me, no problem. So they've been stripped of every glory and pride, so they will see God as their source. Because some of them, until they got to that point, that was when they to God. Up until that point, they thought you, they could do it on their own. Number two, they have tasted darkness, and they'll be grateful for light. That's why God will use them. Remember, the cave is a dark place. There's no light in the cave, except you put light there. So they've tasted darkness. Now they know the difference between darkness and light. So they want to go for the light. Number three, their debt was paid off so they are indebted to God. Because, you see, the cave was like a city of refuge in those days where the people who go there, whatever they had done before they went there is forgiven. So nobody is chasing them for the money they owe, for the livestock they bought before uh, and the corn they bought last month that they haven't paid. Gone. And so they are grateful. And that's why we're grateful for what Jesus did for us. They have nothing to lose. They've lost it all. Fear has been removed. They are now full of faith. Because you cannot even live in the cave except you are somebody who is full of faith. Because fear, when you are in the cave, you know, cave, it has no door most of the time. So anything can come in. A snake can come into the cave. If a snake come in there or a wild animal come there, you are in trouble. So they are full of faith. Fear has been removed. Why will God use them? They are good stewards. So, that, so God can trust them with much. The little they have, they manage in the cave. The little resources they have, they manage in the cave. If somebody remembers them and say, oh, there are some people in that cave, let's get, some, uh, you know, let's get some groceries to them. They can manage the little they have. So God trusts them. Are you a good steward? Why? God, wanna, God puts you in a cave so that you can become a good steward of the resources he has committed to your hands. They are grateful for a second chance at redemption and restoration. They are grateful. That's why they became mighty men. That was why everything David asked of them, they were able to do. They were willing to do. Why? Because they saw we have a second chance as redemption. This man has given us a second chance of life, in life. We're going to take it. We're going to honor this man. We're going to do everything. In conclusion, as a champion, the greatness in you will be bathed in the caves. You cannot become precious until you have undergone pressure. You cannot become precious until you have undergone pressure. Even though you may be in the cave today, don't behave like a caveman. Settle it in your heart that you are a millionaire in a cave. The image you see will eventually become your reality. Hallelujah. Can we just pray? In one minute, just talk to the Lord tonight. I don't know where you are right now. It may look like a cave and it look like everything is just the way it is. Why don't you talk to God? And say, Lord, thank you tonight for sending this word to me. And I want to thank you. Just hand over everything to the Lord right now. Hand over everything to him. Say, Lord, I want to thank you. Thank you for opening my eyes to the truth. And I thank you because you are a God of the outside and you are a God of the cave. And I know that Father, through the water, through the fire, you are with me too. Even in the cave, God is there. He said even underneath, below the, the, the earth, God said, I am there. And why don't you ask the Lord tonight and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ask him to hold you by the hands. Ask him. Admit your mistakes. Admit those things that you haven't done well, and ask him to help you tonight. David said, "I will look unto the hill from whence cometh my help. My help come from the Lord." Say, Lord, thank you because I'm coming out of that cave into the glorious destiny that you have prepared for me, and I give you praise this evening. I give you praise because I will not look like what I've gone through by the time I come out. There is no doubt that I'm coming out. I am coming out. And I'm coming out, there will be no loss. I'm coming out full of your glory. I'm coming out, O Lord, full of favor. I'm coming out, Father, as a millionaire. That people will see me and say, Oh, can anything... Some people have said about you, can anything good come out of your life? (laughs) But God said, No. If I'm involved, yes. I will turn it around. I will turn it around to your advantage, and I'm turning it around right now. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise, and we give you glory. Holy Spirit, magnify this word in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. In Jesus' name.